So tonight's topic is meeting difficult emotions. And um, there are some wonderful Buddhist teachings about working with what in Pali is called um, chitta, which means both mind and heart, both mind and emotions. And in those days, that was seen as one thing. And you can get, you can get why, you know, like the mind deeply impacts our emotional state and our emotions deeply impact our mind. They very much interact. Um, so there are a lot of teachings about working skillfully with chitta, with mind, heart. Um, and modern, modern teachers, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer have taken these teachings, particularly the ones around mindfulness and compassion, which are two very fundamental, very deep teachings in Buddhism, and expanded them in a really beautiful curriculum called Mindful Self-Compassion. And on my background includes not only training to be a community Dharma leader through Spirit Rock, but also I received I became a trained teacher in mindful self-compassion and there are times when I really feel the call to share these particular teachings. They very, very deeply infused with Buddhist understanding. Um, and also they've got that modern kind of Western psychology thing going on. So as I teach tonight and always, I encourage you to take what you like and leave the rest. Um, I hope I hope some of this lands for you and is supportive to you, of course. That's why I'm sharing it. So just a, just a tiny, tiny bit of background about mindful self-compassion. So uh, Kristen Neff, not that long ago, about 20 years ago, was a graduate student in psychology um, and also had a meditation practice and so, sort of heard a teacher just kind of randomly on, on a meditation retreat, heard a teacher say, well, of course, these teachings on compassion should always include yourself. That's assumed in Buddhism, that whether you're practicing mindfulness, loving kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity, that you're including yourself in your circle that you're not leaving yourself out. And she thought, huh, that's funny because I regularly leave myself out of these things. And so she started deepening and delving into the notion of self-compassion and uh, gave a presentation about it at Harvard where she met, met psychologist and professor Christopher Germer. And together they, over the last decade and a half, created this beautiful curriculum around self-compassion. So self-compassion has three components, mindfulness, common humanity, and self-kindness. So mindfulness in this instance means recognizing just in a moment, we're, we're not proliferating, thoughts are not off, you know, rehashing or out into the future rehearsing. We're in the present moment. And in this moment, we're recognizing some distress of some kind. It could be, you know, physical pain. It could be 
emotional pain, it could be relational pain, we are aware that, you know, suffering is, has arisen of some kind, small, medium, or large. That just knowing that, naming that is an act of mindfulness where we're not denying and denial as we are well aware is a big thing. We're not denying that stress is present but we're also not over identifying with it. We're also not making a big, huge, you know, life drama out of it. We're just like, yes, in this moment, there is some kind of distress, stress, suffering, pain, something. So that's the mindfulness piece. Mindfulness as opposed to either denial or over identification, but naming what's happening. The second piece is common humanity. This is really important. We, in some ways, take it less personally, and that's not natural to us. We have a lot of, of, of deep conditioning around um, taking our stress and our pain personally, blaming ourselves, blaming other people, thinking there's something uniquely you know, wrong with us or whatever. So, when we can remember, just remind our minds that whatever it is we're experiencing in that moment is part of the human condition. Suffering is a part of life for us all. This is really, really helpful for calming down our nervous system. Um, our ancient ancestors, um, if there was isolation pushed out, no, not, no longer part of the community, that was death. We're, we're a collaborative community oriented species. And when we think that we're somehow chronically unique or alone with whatever it is we're going through, it really exacerbates our pain. So reminding ourselves of common humanity rather than isolation is really, really helpful for self-compassion. So the first is mindfulness. Second is common humanity. And then the third piece of this self-compassion model is self-kindness. So kindness happily is innate to us as mammals. It's, um, it's, uh, we have a whole big giant part of our brain and systems that are about tend and befriend um, natural, innate compassion. Simultaneous to that, we have an innate fight, flight, and freeze response. And that um, that's, can be where we go when we're in pain. And that's natural to us, but doesn't, depending on the kind of pain, very often doesn't serve us. I mean, if we're being chased by a tiger, it serves us for sure. And there are other times when it can serve us, but a lot of times we'll go into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn is the is the most recent one that they're talking about now. Um, and it's not needed. It's not needed. W what we're doing is kind of going into automatic pilot of a hyper alert, and it's 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 actually exacerbating the 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 situation rather than responding in a, in a way that's useful. 
So self-kindness, we can tap into that luckily. And that's another very available um, part of our innate system that we can cultivate and deepen. And the ways that we do that, um, there are many ways. Like, you know, we know in Buddhism, our loving kindness practice using phrases of well-wishing, that's one way we do it. And we can do it here too. Finding phrases or language that we can resonate with in the moment, like, um, I'm here for you, I care, um, yes, this is hard, um, finding some language of friendliness towards ourselves. So language is one piece of self-kindness, but there are two other pieces that are really important as mammals, which I think is so cool, not just as humans. All mammals are calmed and soothed by soothing tone of voice and by soothing touch. And what's so neat is that we can offer those to ourselves. So if something's kind of overwhelming, there's some stress or suffering going on, we've named it, we've remembered common humanity, we know, yeah, this is a thing that happens to us humans, suffering happens. And then we can bring in some self-kindness, maybe cross your arms and just feel the gentle pressure of your arms on your, on your upper belly or chest. That's a soothing touch, using some kind language for yourself and saying, yeah, I'm with you. I've got your back. I'm here. I care. It is so wild. You know, we think we've been conditioned to believe that we need other people to do this kind of thing for us. And we do. We do need each other. And it, we don't need to lead our, leave ourselves out as a being to turn to for compassion. We can provide it to ourselves. It can really, really help. So those are the three, mindfulness, common humanity, and self-kindness. So believe it or not, that whole spiel was my preamble to the talk tonight, which is we're going into um, meeting difficult emotions specifically. All different kinds of pain and suffering and stress and distress, we know this. This is part of the terrain of being here on this planet. Oh, this is, these are some, some ideas for working specifically using mindfulness and compassion to work with difficult emotions. So my first question is, what are difficult emotions? And if you don't mind just popping some into the chat, and I'm hoping you can write this to everybody. Let me just make sure you can. Allow participants to, okay, I think you can. Can you, can you send a, a, a chat to everybody or is there only me that you can send it to? If you can, For me, I just me. Direct message to you. Oh, fooey. This happened last time. I, I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, okay. Well, just for now, 
I can't, I cannot see how to change that. I think it, it's back on James's, you know, Zoom homepage. So just for now, send them to me and I'll read them aloud. Some difficult emotions. Thank you. Okay, here we go. Anxiety, fear, anger, shame, grief, jealousy, envy. And many of these are repeating because we they're so common for us. Shame, anger, yes, feeling lost and without life purpose, disappointment, someone being angry with me, fear about my spouse not truly loving me, sadness, envy, grief, disappointment, rejection, depression, resentment, worry, hate, intimacy can be, can be challenging, loneliness, isolation, I'm not good enough, sadness, yes, thank you. And I'm hoping that even just hearing that you know how how easy it is for us to conjure these because this is part of the human condition this is the common humanity and we 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 visit these states and they're hard they're painful that's what makes them difficult they cause us pain and they rise from conditions in our personal lives but also from broader social and cultural conditions and they arise. So meditators often wonder how much emotional distress we should allow into our practice. Someone asked that of Thich Nhat Hanh and his answer was not much. And I think that's interesting to note. We're not asking ourselves to go down into the deep pit of despair or rage or hate or loneliness, or grief, or anything else. However, for self-compassion to arise, we do need to touch it. We do need to know it's there. But it isn't necessary for us to go all the way in and like close all the doors and just be there with it. In fact, that doesn't serve us. What's, what's skillful is to go in, know it's there, and then come out and, and resource ourselves. The Buddha talks about, you know, when he talks about uh, working with these difficult mind-heart states, his first thing is take the difficult thing and replace it with something more, I'm going to say resourcing. The word that's translated from Kusala in Pali is wholesome, but I think in this case resourcing, for example, if I find myself really, really lost in a rabbit hole of distress and worry because of ruminating mind, then it's skillful at that time for me to replace it with mindfulness. Oh yeah, wait, I'm just right here in the present moment sitting in my living room. You know, that's actually a skillful thing to do rather than spending the next hour staying, down, staying in those alleys of distress thinking. So, so we do want to know it's there, um, but then we want to respond with it, to respond to it, maybe with mindfulness or with compassion. And we're going to work with both of those. 
So I want to read you um, a poem you probably know. This is The Guest House by Rumi. And as I read this, um, I want to invite us to, to think of this as, you know, sort of a, a model of, about working with difficult emotions with the instruction that I just gave about really titrating in and out, really like, yes, we're recognizing, we're allowing. And there are different kind of degrees to which we're going to be interacting with these emotions. And that is appropriate. That's, that's, that's what we want to do. That's part of the self-compassion. So here's the guest house by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows, who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. They may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. So the instruction here is about meeting, meeting these things, maybe not, you know, saying you get to rent a room in my house, but meeting them with less aversion and resistance than many of us have been conditioned to do. And why is that? Well, because we're we're conditioned to resist and deny or 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 over identify, that actually um, kind of keeps them stuck. And just allowing and acknowledging allows them to come. Hello, they've come. They're visiting the house, and now they're going out. It allows for more movement. But so sometimes you know that there's that line in the poem about even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, which many of us have been through. Many of us have been through that kind of thing in various ways. We're, we're sometimes not ready to have our homes violently swept of its furniture. So the art of self-compassion is to incline gradually toward emotional discomfort and accept emotional discomfort in stages. So just really being honest, you know, like, you know what, this is all I can handle. I'm gonna, you know, go out to the garden now and just listen to the birds sing for a little while because, you know, I can't, I can't. And that is appropriate. Like I said, that's okay. So there are five stages of acceptance. Um, that can be illustrated using the roomy metaphor by how we receive visitors into our home.
The first is resisting. This is the one we're most familiar with and we'll travel this terrain over and over um, where we're struggling against what's coming in terms of difficult emotions, hiding in the house, blocking the door or telling the visitor to go away. Second is exploring where we turn toward discomfort with curiosity, peeking through the peephole in the door to see who has arrived. Like, okay, there's some worry, you know, but I think I'm gonna, you know, go back to my to-do list right now. <laughs> Exploring, the next one is tolerating. And many of us have experience with this one too. Like we can live with it and that's like safely enduring, holding steady, inviting the guest in, but asking them to remain in the entry hall of the house. Fourth one, allowing, letting feelings come and go, allowing the guests to go wherever they want in the house. That already is kind of a superpower. Some of you may have <laughs> allowing feelings to come and go, but it, it's a, it's a direction we can head toward. It, it takes, um, you know, those first three moving in and out and, and becoming more and more cap capable of tolerating and then allowing. And then the last one, which really is sort of a North star, but it's worth mentioning is befriending, seeing the value in all experience sitting down with the guest and listening to what the guest has to say. That's very beautiful when we have those moments where we're able to be with those very hurt parts of ourselves and really stay present with a compassionate witness aspect of who we are. And we can cultivate that. And that's what we're doing here, actually. That's what we're doing with our practice. So each successive stage corresponds to a gradual release of emotional resistance. So much of equanimity practice and, and uh, you know, our practice in general is learning this capacity to be with experience. But we need to discern when we want to go in and when we want to move out, opening and closing. It's just a really natural part, a wise part of the human heart. And this doesn't mean accepting injustice. We're talking about holding pain itself that can turn toxic if we refuse to accept it or we over identify with it. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about some approaches to difficult emotions and then I'm going to lead us in a practice. Um, that is based on what I'm about to share. So there were three simple techniques. The first two come from mindfulness and the third from compassion that are helpful, can be helpful for being with difficult emotions. The first is labeling emotions. So you're familiar with noting or labeling, um, like, you know, when you're breathing, saying in breath, out breath. It's, it's a mindfulness technique that helps the mind be in alignment with what's happening in the moment. And labeling emotions is identifying and validating the emotion. 
which again we're not typically trained to do so this is something we can we can practice and, and get better at the second is finding emotions in the body feeling emotions as sensation versus thinking about them so those two are both mindfulness practices and then this third one is about caring for and comforting ourselves because we have difficult emotions and it's called soften soothe allow so there's labeling feeling and soften soothe allow and i'll just say a little bit more about each of those so labeling emotions the the pith term that comes from psychology around labeling emotions is you name it and you tame it so that's fun but it's not really my experience if i name fear it's not instantly tamed i wish it were however it actually does make a difference it really does when we're naming or labeling an emotion we're we're, we're locating ourselves outside of the emotion and observing it as compassionate witness so rather than being the emotion we're seeing the emotion and that in itself is a step towards calming so um name it and you tame it so it's an opportunity to honor or bear witness to our pain which is a beautiful thing to do rather than being so identified and and reactive we're, we're honoring we're bearing witness it's like we're being our own ally It helps us to disentangle or unstick from them. And when we say this is anger or fear is arising, we, we can usually feel some emotional freedom or some space around the feeling. In 2007, some scientists discovered that when we label difficult emotions, the amygdala, a brain structure that registers danger, becomes less active and less likely to trigger a stress reaction in the body. And what's so interesting about that is that when people were polled, they were like, oh no, if you say what an emotion is, it will get bigger. But when you actually put people in an fMRI and when they're invo you know deliberately invoking emotions and then naming them, what actually happens in the brain is the amygdala calms down and the stress response lessens. So naming it, labeling it. And also, you know, I mentioned before about we mammals love gentle tones of voice. <laughs> so how we label anything matters also. So rather than saying, you know, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, you know, rather than that to say, uh, you know, anxiety, there's, there's anxiety here. I'm anxious, you know, huge difference. Oh, you're feeling sad or I see how frightened you are. Really? really you know i heard jack cornfield give a talk a couple nights ago it was a recorded talk just from the end of march so recently he gave this talk and he was 
talking to some teacher trainees and um, about a little bit about teaching and a little bit about his own journey. And he said, recently I've changed my language about this path. He said, I really think it's all about love. You know, and, and I, I'm just mentioning that, like, just to underscore the importance of kindness and how we treat ourselves. It's so important. So that's labeling. Then the next one is um, mindfulness of emotion in the body. And the little pith saying with that is you feel it to heal it, feel it and you heal it. And again, um, being with an emotion won't, it's not like we're doing these practices to make them go away. If that were our motive, that would be a motive of aversion. That would be a motive, you know, remember the guest house, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. That would be a motive of, I'm going to, I'm going to invite you in because I've heard that if I do, you'll go away sooner. And that's not what we're talking about, actually. What we're talking about is um, learning how to bring in this energy of tending a friend, this energy of holding with care. Like when a, a caring parent holds a crying baby or a baby with the flu, not not with this idea that if I hold it, you know, it will get better in a half an hour, but more I'm holding it because that's the right thing to do. So when we talk about feel it and you heal it, it's not feel it and you make it go away. It's feel it and you bring into the field this whole energy of care that um, just changes just changes your relationship with the pain. So research suggests that emotions are associated with distinct yet culturally universal parts of the body. Emotions activate a broad network of muscular, physiological, hormonal, and neurological components. So a lot happening. And body awareness is an important factor in emotion regulation. So when we locate an emotion in the body and change our relationship to it, the emotion itself has a little more space to move. So that's mindfulness of emotion in the body or feeling. And then the third, those are both mindfulness-based practices. And then the third, the, the compassion-based practice is called Soften, Soothe, Allow, which is a kind and compassionate relationship to difficult emotions and to ourselves. Softening is physical self-compassion, where we're, we're just like softening our bodies. We're just softening around the pain or just around the edges of the pain, just bringing in a little softness there physically. Soothing is the same as self-kindness that I mentioned earlier, where we're actually using tone of voice, 
soothing language and our soothing touch. And I just want to give a little extra plug for soothing touch. I remember in 2020, I was assistant teaching a Metta retreat at Spirit Rock and I gave it teaching on Metta. <laughs> I suggested that people bring hands to heart or belly or both, which I, I almost do on everything I teach. Um, and it was and then in the interviews afterwards, it was really interesting for me to learn that for many most people that felt awkward, vulnerable, uncomfortable. It's another thing that we are acculturated out of is any kind of self-soothing. Um, so this is a thing I want to invite us to swim upstream against. If there's some um, sense of like, yikes about that, I mean, it can be honored and you can do stealth, stealth soothing touch by crossing your arms, which I do all the time. Um, but in whatever way works for you, I encourage you to practice with that. It's basically somatic loving kindness. It's very powerful. So softening, soothing, which is emotional self-compassion, and then allowing, which is just allowing the difficult emotion to be there, is mental self-compassion where we're not fighting, we're not making stories, we're just letting be. The power of acceptance is so cool because all this brain research is, they've been studying mindfulness and compassion and gratitude, and now they're studying acceptance and the, the, the powerful, positive, physiological and emotional uh, well-being that comes from acceptance. And that's what we're doing here with allow. We stop resisting difficult emotions. And giving up resistance means we suffer less from difficult emotion. Okay, so um, I'd like to lead us in a practice that takes about 10 minutes, but before I do, I wonder if there are any questions or any, any clarifying thoughts or questions. It looks like not. Oh, Kathy. I have a question. Yes. What did you call that when you crossed the wrists just now about the soothing touch? You called that oh, like stealth. a... Stealth. Stealth. Yeah. Like secret. Like yes. people cross their arms all the time and you don't think a thing of it. Okay, you know? thank you. But if you have mindfulness there, you can feel your arms putting pressure on your torso and that is soothing. Yes. Can be. It's not necessarily soothing for all of us, but you can experiment with it and see if it works for you. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Can I can I speak? What Please. Was the first... Hi, Shelly. Hi. What was the first one again? The first of the five? Labeling um, emotions. Labeling. Okay. Thanks. Sure. Okay. Anything else? Okay, so I'm going to lead you into practice. Uh, now, let's see if I want to... Okay, so this is like going to be a formal practice, right? I'm, I'm leading it. We're, we're, doing, we're trying it. It's formal practice. But the idea is that eventually you can get to a place where these 
notions of, um, you know, label emotion, feel it in the body, soften through the allow, are tools that you have anytime. Because they're really, you want to be able to have them in life, not, not just like, and some meditation talk, right? So, so, um, this talk will be available on the Insight Meditation Berkeley website in a little while. And also, as I've mentioned, this work comes from Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. And they have, uh, I think they have this practice probably on their, on their website. I'm not 100% sure they do, but they have a lot of great guided meditations on their website. So you're going to be asked to bring to mind a current problem in your life. And you can participate in this, obviously, in this practice as much or as little as you want to. And I want, I want to encourage you, like I was saying in the beginning, to trust. Trust what your mind and body are wanting to do. If you're wanting to be engaged and bring in a, an, a, you know, a, a potent problem, that's okay. If you're wanting to just kind of go light, do go light. And if you just want to not do it, practice mindfulness. That's totally okay, too. So just follow your own groove here. Okay. So please find a comfortable position. Sitting or lying down. If you like, you can close your eyes or soften your gaze. And if it's accessible to you, you can enjoy some breaths, some deeper breaths. It's nice if we can be comfortable when we're practicing with difficult emotions. So if you're, if you're not comfortable, consider getting more comfortable. If you can. So offering yourself soothing or supportive touch for a few moments to remind yourself that you're in the room and that you too are worthy of kindness. Let yourself recall a mildly to moderately difficult situation that you're in right now. Perhaps a health problem, stress in a relationship, or a work issue. And please reflect carefully on the problem, choosing a situation that generates some stress in your body when you think of it, but doesn't overwhelm you. That's really important. Don't choose anything that, that has any chance of re-traumatizing you. And go for less rather than more.
clearly visualize the problem. Who was there? What was said? What happened or what might happen? So we're going to begin with labeling emotions. As you relive this situation, notice if any emotions arise within you. And if so, see if a label for an emotion comes up, a name. Here are some examples. Worry, sadness, grief, confusion, fear, If you're unsure what emotion you're feeling, that's okay for now. Simply experiencing the emotion is enough. And if you're having many emotions, seeing if you can name the strongest emotion associated with the situation. And now repeating the name of the emotion to yourself in a tender, understanding voice, as if you were validating for a friend what they were feeling. That's longing. That's grief. mindfulness of emotion in the body. So now expanding your awareness to your body as a whole. Recalling the difficult situation again, if it's begun to slip out of your mind, naming the strongest emotion you feel and scanning your body for where you feel it most easily. In your mind's eye, sweeping your body from head to toe, stopping where you can sense a little tension or discomfort. Just feel what is feelable in your body right now, nothing more. And now, if you can, please choose a single location in your body 
where the feeling expresses itself most strongly, perhaps a familiar place or a new place, a point of muscle tension in your neck, a painful feeling in your stomach, or an ache in your heart. In your mind, inclining gently toward that spot. See if you can experience the sensation directly as from the inside. Or if that feels too strong right now, that's fine. Just see if you can feel the general sense of discomfort. Great. And then we're going to move into soften, soothe, allow. So now begin softening into that location in your body, letting the muscles soften and relax as in warm water. Softening, softening, softening. Remember that you're not trying to change the feeling, you're just holding it in a tender way. If you wish, just softening a little around the edges. And if you need, feel free to open your eyes whenever you wish or let go of the exercise and just feel your breath. Now, soothing yourself because of this difficult situation. If you wish, placing a hand over the part of your body that feels uncomfortable and just feeling the warmth and gentle touch of your hand. Perhaps imagining warmth and kindness flowing through your hand into your body. Soothing. 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 And are there some comforting words that you might need to hear? For instance, you might imagine if you had a friend who was struggling in the same way, what would you say to your friend? I'm sorry you feel this way. I care deeply about you. And can you offer yourself a similar message? It's hard to feel this. And may I be kind to myself. And finally, allowing the discomfort to be there, making room for it, releasing the need to make it go away, allowing, allowing, Allowing and allowing yourself to be just as you are, just like this, if only for this moment. Softening, soothing, 
allowing. Okay, now letting go of the practice and focusing on your body as a whole. Allowing yourself to feel whatever you feel to be exactly as you are in this moment. Thank you so much for taking that journey with me. We've only got a few minutes, unfortunately, but um, if you'd like to share anything about your experience, it'd be all different kinds of, a whole spectrum of different kinds of experience with that. Um, or if you have any questions, we can take just a few minutes now. Kimberly. Hi there. Hi. I wanted to share that there was the most amazing, beautiful. My body needed a deep breath at one point and it took it on it. You know, it wasn't like I said, take a deep breath. It did it on its own to soothe. And it was so such a view. I have chicken skin. Tell me. Thank oh, you. that's wonderful. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. It was good. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like I understand what you're saying from my own experience. Like there's something about mindfulness and compassion that the body loves. And the body goes, ha. Ah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Anyone else? Okay, well, um, I hope I hope that this is useful, and um, and you know maybe there's a takeaway for you in some of this, you know, even just something like soothing touch. But thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.